Hey, Bible Chapel family, welcome to our service this weekend. I'm here with Dave DiDonato. And uh, Dave, we're going to have, uh, we're going to do some tag team teaching yep. today. Yeah, that's going to be go, fun. Going to be fun, going to be fun. Just a couple things before we get into that, some exciting things. First of all, we want to thank you so much for your giving. It has been it, words, it, I, 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 have a, I have a hard time putting it into words, right. just our thankfulness that we have right. for the generosity of, of uh, all those who have been giving to the Bible Chapel during this time. Right. And we want to encourage you to keep doing that. Some exciting things going on uh, here. Uh, ministries keep going, and we want to encourage you to keep giving generously. You can right now click on your screen, and there's a place there you can click to give. You can text TBC to... Seven, three, two, five, six. That always sounds like a zip code to me, right? I'd say it's the zip code to give. <laughs> the giving zip code. <laughs> That's where text, you go. <laughs> text, 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 TBC to seven, three, two, five, six. You can always mail it in. And those of you in DeBerry, we appreciate you guys so much. Biblechapel.org slash DeBerry give. And uh, just uh, be sure to, to put that uh, in uh, your uh, check or however you give in DeBerry. So appreciative of you. So Dave. We have had people giving yep. very generously week after week after week. Right. And we have this thing called BTW. Beyond These Walls. Beyond These Walls. And we just concluded it. Yep. And we want to just spend a few minutes here just thanking everyone for being a part of it and to share some of the great things that's been happening. Yeah. I always say I love Beyond These Walls because I would not be here without Beyond These Walls, Ron. That's it's true. with college ministry uh, a decade ago is how I landed at the Bible Chapel. So think about this. Think about that. Over the past three years, talk about the generosity of you, our church family, and the way God provides. You have given over $3.8 million hmm. to the initiatives under Beyond These Walls, which comes out to over 101%, more than what was originally pledged for beyond these walls, yeah. Ron, unbelievable. Yeah. So that's amazing. I got to stop there just one second. Yeah. When we do capital campaigns, uh, we've done we've done them ourselves the last three times. But when we used to use people to help us do these, they always said, always plan on whatever the pledge is, plan on eighty percent. Yeah. Eighty uh, percent will be given because people move away, things change, so eighty percent. So we always plan on that. The last three uh, BTWs beyond these walls, over hundred percent. Wow. Ninety-eight. 98 or 99% last time and 101.13%. That's just, that's, that's really amazing. Amazing. A generous, generous congregation. And that's all in addition to the, the general giving. That's Un yep. unbelievable. Yep. So we're going to, here's what we do. We're going to give you a quick snapshot of all that God did through Beyond These Walls. We're going to start internationally and then work our way home. So originally uh, I was going to share in my own words what the church did through the international bucket, but way better than that, we have an amazing video. So you're going to hear from Maria from Faith House in Thailand, Johnson Wambua at AIC Zion in Kenya, and John Fowler from Word of Life Panama. Check out what they say. Can I say one thing yeah, before yeah, they yeah. start the video? This is way better than what you were going <laughs> to say. <laughs> they should do the whole sermon, but go ahead and listen to what they have to say. Thank you, Bible Chapel, for the support that you had given to Faith House for the repair and the change of our leaking roof. And there had been intruders that had entered our dormitory which scared the girls. The Bible Chapel sent the money for the fence, the security camera, and also for added security, the window grills, and for the various projects, for the healing time with the girls, for the leadership trainings, and various projects you have given to us. Thank you, Bible Chapel, 
for blessing of our library. Our children now have improved in English. Thank you for the science lamp. Our children now have improved in the sciences. And thank you for the church equipment. We have managed to spread the gospel in the slum area and in Maasai land. Thank you for the classroom. Here, the children are improved in academic and 10 of them are now in university. Okay, so here's uh, the new generator. Um, this, this little machine has helped us out already many, many times. Whenever the power goes out, which happens frequently here in Panama, we have this ability to, uh, to keep going because this machine keeps our, our critical uh, uh, buildings and machinery functioning while the, uh, the, the power grid here gets things figured out. But we're just thankful for the fact that we have this. And I uh, just want to say thanks to the Bible Chapel. Okay, so back behind me is one of the new roofs that uh, you guys provided for the cabins here. And then over here, I'm turning so you guys can see it all from the same spot. There's another roof that was provided as a result of the giving. So we want to say thank you for that. It's been again. You can't really see it from here, but over there on the pool, the the deck that's near the... The, the edge of the pool has also been replaced and we want to say thank you for that. Now you guys know this, I don't have to say too much about this, but this area here is the bonfire area, which also was uh, part of your giving and we want to say thank you for that too. Uh, those who don't know the story, the founder of this ministry, a good friend of mine and, and many of you, uh, Mirko Della Basic, passed away almost three years ago now and um, uh, his favorite night was always the night of the bonfire because the teenagers had a chance to hear the gospel and, and were given a specific charge to respond. And um, so anyway, uh, when we came on, uh, one of the areas that we wanted to take care of first was cleaning up the bonfire area. We replaced it and made it all brand new. But all that funding, uh, much of that funding came from the help of the Bible Chapel and, and your leaders. And, and so we want to say thank you for that too. So there's just a couple things around us, but there's, and there's more that I could point to, but those for sure are just a few of the things that have, have happened recently. We want to say thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Bible Chapel. Thank you, Bible Chapel. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Ron, that's just, that's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. It really is. You know, before all this stuff hit, uh, we had trips planned to Mathari. We yeah. had a team going to Thailand. Yeah. We had uh, we usually go uh, in the fall to Panama and uh, in the spring. And right. man, uh, we had we miss uh, all those guys there, yeah. and it was great to see that. So, but you need to text Fowler <laughs> and tell him to do a little bit of camera work yeah. the next time, so we can he see needs some a help. Needs a little help. <laughs> So we do international and um, national. Uh, I want to thank all of you who have, who have contributed and, and given and partnered with us at The Journey, as you know, at 5.30 and 11.30 every morning on Word FM, we have the opportunity to take the message of Jesus Christ throughout the greater Pittsburgh area, really the tri-state area. Right. We're excited about that. We're also working with uh, Word of Life International. 
to uh, minister to pastors in the Northeast, uh, solo pastors, bivocational pastors. The COVID has kind of put that on, uh, slowed that down a little bit, but we're excited to, to do some things there with them. And then one other thing, uh, we're partnering with a, an individual who is helping us take the living grounded material and That's translate great. it into the Thai language. And so we'll not only be able to use it with that right. partnership, but also with Faith House uh, in Thailand. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about that with the journey. So thank you all for your, your investment in the national bucket. That's awesome. And in the community budget uh, bucket, we think about, uh, that's how we launched campuses. And we launched our Ross Draper campus and we're thankful for our Ross Draper family. In 2017, we've done many projects there already. We launched our recovery ministry out of the community bucket during the past three years. And we that was based in Washington for those uh, battling addiction. And we launched a group here in the South Hills recently for families affected by addiction. I want to highlight briefly uh, something that's obviously dear to my heart, Ron, in my years in Wilkinsburg is that through Beyond These Walls, we launched a preschool. That was something we've always wanted to do. And with Pittsburgh Urban Christian School, that's where the campus launched physically. We launched this year uh, a preschool in Wilkinsburg and through your generosity, that's the first class. That's the first class of the preschool in Wilkinsburg. But for many years to come, we now have money to provide scholarships to children in Wilkinsburg to get a solid preschool education. So that, that's just awesome. That that's cool? awesome. Uh, Dave, I, that just makes me smile because we talked about that for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And because people gave, yeah. we were able to do that. So I, did I count seven kids? Seven, yep. Seven kids are able to go to preschool in the Wilkinsburg area. It wouldn't have been able to go right. because of the generosity of this congregation. That's fantastic. We also have a, one bucket we call the home bucket. And that's just taking care of stuff uh, here at home. Some of that is repairs to buildings or building things onto buildings. I won't go into all the building we've done. Also in the home bucket, though, we have this thing called debt. <laughs> we, yeah. have a, yep. we have a mortgage, and we want so desperately to just pay that off. And over the last three years, we have paid down the debt by $2.1 million. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. amazing. With all those other things that are going on, right. $2.1 million paying off the debt. So we just want to thank all of you who have given. Thank you so much for your just giving over and above. Again, this is over uh, your, your general giving. Right. And uh, you, um, you caught the vision and you were a part of it. And uh, we're going to be sharing some other things with you uh, coming up. Now, if you continue to give to Beyond These Walls, that's all going to go to the home bucket. Right. As needs arise. Yep. Until, until we kick off uh, the new um, capital campaign. And, and you'll be hearing a lot more about that during the summer and then in September. So again, uh, Dave, that's just so cool to yeah. see what, uh, what we can do together and what right. God has done through the generosity of our congregation. Amen. Well, let me pray and yep. then uh, we'll open God's word. Father, we thank you. We just thank you that you are a generous God and through your people, uh, you, do, you do amazing things. We thank you, Lord, that we have just taken just a quick trip around the world to see how you have used this congregation uh, to impact people, kids, students for Jesus Christ. And that is a tremendous privilege. We don't take that privilege for granted. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of, of your global ministry. And Father, we pray today that you'd be with us as we look at your word. We pray that you would teach us as only you can do. Today, we look at something I believe is a game changer to understand who we are in Christ, our spiritual identity. So be with us, Lord, as we, uh, as we look at that today and, uh, and just teach us as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Dave, a few years ago, um, 
I, I just kept hearing uh, from people in our congregation, young couples, that young couples were having trouble in their marriages. It just sound, sound, seemed like a pandemic going on in our church. And so I thought, what, what are we gonna do about this? I mean, we have to do something. And so I took out the, the uh, student pastors and the young adult pastors, and we went to a restaurant. Remember the days when you could go to a restaurant? <laughs> They're coming back. <laughs> They're coming, They're coming back. back. We actually sat down at a restaurant, yeah. not a takeout, yeah. sat down at a restaurant and we ate. And I told these guys, guys, we get these issues going on in marriages, and so you have to, well, let's just back up. Let's, let's just peel this thing back. You need to start talking about relationships in junior high. You need to start talking about relationships in high school. You need to talk, start talking about dating and what that looks like and, and sexuality and how we can really uh, help these young students get ready for marriage and these relationships that are, right. they're going to they're gonna have in, in their lives. And um, as always, I had, uh, I had uh, the answer uh, and I, had the, I, I knew what the problem was and I had the answer. Thankfully, right. you don't have to work <laughs> with me now. I've yeah. changed. Yeah, you've changed so much. <laughs> changed so much. So here we go. Uh, these guys, they listened yeah. very courteously and respectfully, and they said, okay, great. We're, I got gotcha. you. And we're doing all those things. We're teaching about sexuality. We're, we're teaching about dating. We're, we're teaching about relationships. What you're missing is spiritual identity. identity. Yeah. We need early on, we can start this early on, Teaching kids, teaching students what it means to understand who they are in Christ and whose they are. That's a game changer. Right. Because when, 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 you, when you understand that, then your significance changes. It's not, you know, if you're a good athlete or not. Right. And you were an athlete in high school and in college. And, and right. we can... Still and am, Ron. Still <laughs> you're still, you're still are. I used to be. You still are. And and but you can yeah. put your identity in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can put your identity in that. Right. Um, or music or drama or whatever you're involved in. Right. Relationships. Remember, everyone wanted to be in the popular group. Yeah. And yes. still have the popular group. And so, if I'm not in the popular group, I'm not quite as good as I'm. I just don't. I'm not as significant. And then now you have the whole thing with, with uh, social media. Right. Uh, how many likes did I get on this post? Right. right. The same thing happens when we get older. We put our significance, insecurity, in our job, right. or our family, or our possessions. So we want to talk today about spiritual identity. And again, I cannot emphasize any more deeply and any more strongly that this is a game changer. If we yeah. get this, that, uh, Tim Keller is a great writer and, and a pastor. And, and he said, if he could start all over his ministry, he would weave spiritual identity into every, Everything. every sermon. Yeah. So we started talking about spiritual identity and we use this acronym SAFE with two S's. Right. In Christ, in Christ, and that's where it all starts. In Christ, you are significant, you are secure, you are accepted, you're forgiven, and you're empowered. Significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, and empowered. Now, the cool thing, Dave, is we see that in the Old Testament, and we see it in the New Testament. Yep. Uh, there's a passage in Isaiah. We could go to a lot of passages, Good. but Isaiah 43, verse 1, uh, God says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I love that. I love that. God yes. says, you are mine. You belong 
to me. You don't have to live from within yourself. Live from above. You belong to me. Then in the New Testament, we see that over and over again, 119 times, 119 times, Paul uses this word, or the writers of the New Testament use the word in Christ, in Christo. That's a little Greek. Does that impress you? (laughs) So impressed. With a little Greek. (laughs) So impressed. In Christ, 119 times. And in Christ means you have this Union with Jesus. Yep. You are a part of the family of God and nothing can separate you from that. Romans chapter 6, 23, you're gonna talk about yep. this in a second. For yep. the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we go through this, we wanna say, safe is not some mantra that you know we just say. Right. It's in Christ. When, when we have this union with Jesus, then we are significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, and empowered. So Dave, kick us off. Yep. What does it mean to be significant in Christ? Right. So, so Ron started talking about uh, younger generations. And I think as the generation, the older generations, we look down upon the younger generation. Ron, we're often hard on them. Mm-hmm. And we say, look at them. They're lost. They're caught up in the worldly things. And we forget we gave them the culture they're growing up in. And they're growing up in a culture that's dominated by a few movements. One is religious pluralism. They're told there's multiple ways to God. Don't commit to one religion. They're told to believe in relativism, meaning there is no absolute truth. Truth can change over time. They're told to be an individual. Individualism is the mantra of the day. You choose what's true for you and you define your significance. So so there's no rock. There's no anchor anymore Mm -hmm. in our culture to cling to lasting significance. So to no surprise, Ron, we see today there's an identity crisis. They say that the rates of depression and anxiety, specifically in younger generations, is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. And and we struggle with that too with believers. We, We can sometimes creep back and losing our significance in Jesus. So, so if you don't have an anchor for your significance, you're gonna put it in something else. And Ron already hit that, whether it's career, whether it's relationships, young people, if you put all your stock into that boyfriend or girlfriend, they define your, your worth all of a sudden. Ron mentioned social media, Instagram, Facebook, how many likes I get determine how much I like myself. Your financial worth can dictate your significance. And all that stuff is temporary and will never leave you satisfied. So as Ron said, we're gonna look at Romans uh, six and eight. I encourage you this week, go read Romans six, seven, and eight in its entirety. Amazing passage on spiritual identity. We're gonna camp out Romans six and eight. So in verses three and four, I wanna go there first. Listen to how Paul uses this word baptized, to be baptized, and we're going to define the moment, to define what it means to be significant and found in Christ. Paul says this in Romans 6, 3, and 4, do you not know that all of us, speaking of believers who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, there again, Ron, into Christ, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That word baptized means to be immersed. And I don't say this often, but I really love something Ron did uh, about eight years ago. <laughs> I love a lot of things you do, Ron. But yeah. we did a whole study on Romans. And this is how you defined baptism in 2012. I love this definition. The placing of a person or a thing into a new environment or union with something else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment or 
condition. That's pretty. That's actually that, pretty that's good. That's pretty good, Ron. That's why I had to go eight years back <laughs> to get one, but it was great. So what happens when we trust in Jesus is God places us into this eternal union with Jesus. Jesus defines you now. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your sin no longer defines you. Jesus does. And Paul says that should cause us to walk in newness of life, new life now, and as Ron will get to, new life forevermore in Jesus. And Ron, that's why we love water baptism. That's why we encourage right. people. That's, that's a, an obedient act that, that we're called to do as believer. It symbolizes this baptism into Christ, that we're in Christ. When we step into the water, we are identifying with the death of Jesus, the death of sin because of what he did, and we're dead to sin now because we're in Christ. When we go uh, under the water, we, we represent the burial, that we represent ourselves with the burial of Jesus, and that glorious picture, when someone comes up out of the water in water baptism, it's that visual example that we are resurrected in newness in life. And Paul, if, if you keep reading uh, chapter six, Ron, Paul uses, he only uses this word eight times in Romans, but seven times in chapter six, doulos, which means slave or servant. And it describes this transformation. Here's the deal. If you're listening to us today and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, the Bible says right now, you are a slave to sin. Sin is your master. You have no other choice but to sin. Your sin nature owns you and therefore defines your significance. But when you trust in Jesus, scripture says we become a slave to righteousness. Here's what that means. The righteousness of Jesus is imputed on us. It is covers us because of his work on our behalf. And therefore, we are no longer slaves to sin. Does it mean that we're going to be perfect and never sin? Absolutely not. We're going to fall. But we're no longer defined by our sin nature. Jesus now defines us. And we have an ability, as Paul says, to walk in this newness of light. Man, what a transformation and significance. And Ron, you already mentioned verse 23. This is an eternal significance that we want to enter into with the second S. Right, right. So again, in Christ... When we know Jesus, we are significant. Right. And then let's talk about security. Uh, in, in theology, there's this doctrine of eternal security. And eternal security says that as a believer, we have the assurance that we are a child of God and will forever be. Right. And this is a special doctrine for me because I grew up in a church. It's a great church, great fellowship, great community. Um, it was, the, the music was so good, it was, all, it was great, except that we didn't believe and they didn't teach eternal security. And so Dave, I, th I honestly thought, I grew, most of my life growing up, I thought I could be a Christian in the morning, right. sin at noon, and get my name erased from the book of life in the afternoon. And man, right. that's, a, that's a tough way yeah. to live. Yeah. And when I learned that God loved me unconditionally, that there was nothing I could do to cause him to quit loving me, that his love is perfect and it's eternal. I can do nothing to make me, God love me more. I can do nothing to make God love me less. Man, that's a truth. I, I, I still remember when I learned that. I was on a hot parking lot in Dallas, Texas, 
And it was like a burden was just lifted from my shoulders. I'm a child of God and will forever be. It's his work, not mine. Isn't it amazing how eternal security does not make you sit back and relax. It's a motivator. It's a motivator. Right, to live for right. Christ. Right, now I'm free <clears throat> to live with right. him and do the things he's called me to do. So Romans chapter eight talks about that. I wanna read through this. Just let these verses soak in as we read through it. Uh, Paul starts in verse 31 by saying, what then shall we say to these things? Now Paul has just said, here's what Jesus has done for you. Here's who you are in him. You're, you're his child. You belong to him. What can we say to these things, Paul says? If God is for us, who could be against us? We could stop right there, right? <laughs> yeah. If God's on our side, if God's got your back, then who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him free or graciously give us all things. God's gonna take care of us. Who shall bring a charge against God's elects? It's God who justifies and who, who, uh, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or per persecution or nakedness or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Then he ends it with this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And if you're struggling at all with security, just listen to this. Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, and if he missed anything, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is, there it is again, in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Amen. Christ you are secure. And Dave, that no. allows us then right. to live as a child of God. Talk about that. Absolutely, that's, that's amazing. So staying in, in Romans 8, I love how Paul, as we go to that, that third word in this acronym safe, accepted, uh, we have that security because we literally are seen in the eyes of God as his children. Look at verses 14 and 17 with me. Stay in Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I'm reading the ESV. You might have sons and daughters speaking to all believers here. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are his children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So adoption is serious business. Many of you have, have adopted a child and, and you love that child as your own. But in the first century, I mean, this was serious, serious, serious business. When you adopted a son in the first century, you were deliberately choosing that son to preserve your name and your estate. They became a true heir to their adopted father. So an adopted son was not inferior to a natural born son. They were a true son of their adopted father. And Paul uses that word adoption to tell us who we are as children, as believers in Jesus Christ. Our adoption is so intimate to our Heavenly Father. Paul says we literally can cry out, Abba, Father. The Aramaic word there, Abba, means dear father. Today, that would be a child saying dad or daddy. All of us know the moment uh, are blessed to have children. When your child first calls you mommy or daddy, how that makes you 
makes you feel. And the first century Jews, they, they never used that word to talk about Yahweh. He, he was too distant to have that relationship. But we can now call him Abba Father. We see this with Jesus. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, fully God, fully man, about to go to the cross so that we could have salvation through his work. He said this in Mark 14, 36, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. Jesus, going to the cross for you and I, submit himself to his Abba Father's will. And then we read this. Paul says this in Galatians. And like Jesus, by his spirit, as we'll talk about more, that we have and dwelled in our hearts, we have that same access. Paul says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right now you might be listening, and I have no idea what your relationship is like with your earthly father. Some of you maybe have met your, never met your earthly father. Some of you had such a bad relationship, you want to forget that experience all together. Some of you mourn as Father's Day approaches, you mourn the loss of your dad who's no longer with you. When it comes to our heavenly father, how comforting is it that through Jesus and his spirit in our life, he has given us his own special name for our heavenly father. Could we offer anything more desirable to this lonely world today than to say, if you, when you trust in Jesus, you can have the soul satisfying acceptance of your heavenly father and you can call him Abba Father. Ron, that is just amazing, <laughs> amazing. It's an amazing truth, you know, that we are a part of the family of God and we can call the creator, yeah. the majestic God, Abba, yep. Father, Abba Father, the majesty and the, and the personal relationship we can amazing. have with God. My dad was adopted and this was uh, in a day before, you know, counseling took place and they really prepared parents in that area. And I won't go into the details, but it was, uh, it was it, it, he was never abused or anything, but it was difficult. And uh, he never, there was something in him that never really felt that family. Like, who, who gave me up, right? Yeah. Who, who was that? Yeah. And, uh, and that impacted him throughout his life. And so when I think of adoption, I always think of my dad as he just worked through that. As children of God, we don't have to work through that. No. We, are, we are in God's family, and we will forever be Ever in be. God's family. Amen. We're a child of God. So uh, we're significant in, in Christ. It yeah. always starts there. In Christ, we're significant, secure, accepted, and forgiven. 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 I want you to look at uh, two verses here. Look at chapter 8, Romans 8, verse 1. <laughs> Highlight this in your, in your Bibles or on your phone, whatever you're using. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we could just stop there and unpack that all day long. Yep. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul just uses that word only three times in Romans, right here. And then in chapter five, he uses it a couple times. And the word condemnation is a legal word, meaning the, meaning the punishment that follows sentencing. 
And so uh, here you are, you've done something wrong, right? And, uh, and you know you're gonna be punished for it. And this, this one, one writer says, it is continuous low-hanging black cloud over your head. Now, I don't care if you're um, an atheist or an agnostic or, or whatever philosophy of life that you take. You know one day you're gonna die. Yeah. And there are times because God has placed this, God has put eternity in our hearts. And so you're gonna be wondering what happens after you die? right? This low-hanging black cloud, low-lying black cloud, what's going to happen after that? For the believer in Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no impending judicial sentencing. We have this future that is free and clear. Paul says it like this in verse 2, for the law of the Spirit has set you free, there it is again, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The penalty's gone. We are not condemned anymore. We are free to live as a child of God. Uh, There's a a translation called J.B. Phillips, and I love the way, I just want to read it, love the way uh, Phillips uh, uh, translates these two verses. Listen to what he says. The truth is that no condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Christ Jesus. For the new spiritual principle of life in Christ Jesus lifts me out of the vicious circle of sin and death. So when I have no condemnation, I know that my past is forgiven. In Christ, I never have to say, well, I can't, I really, I really can't do everything God's called me to do because look at my past. Right. Look at the things I've done in the past. That's gone. gone. And our sin in the future, Christ has paid for. We have no condemnation, and we can live with that. And I won't go through all the verses, but uh, so many passages of Scripture just tell us that, that we're forgiven. In Psalm 103, God says, separates the, our sins as far as the east is from the west. In, uh, in Isaiah 38, uh, uh, for I cast uh, all, my, all your sins behind my back. God puts his, our sins behind his back. I love that picture. Uh, in Micah uh, 7, 18 and 19, he treads our iniquities underfoot. Uh, you will cast all our sin into the depths of the sea. God takes our sin and throws them into the depths of the sea. And, and then the last one, Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive your iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. We have a hard time forgetting our sin. Absolutely. But in Christ, we can say, I am forgiven. There is no condemnation. And now that allows me to live, to live freely by the power Amen. of the Spirit That's that you're right. going to talk about. Ron, you're just going through this really, real quick. I love that those are all active words of God. He doesn't forget our sins. He chooses to remember them no more. That's his love for yeah. us and what he's done. The God who knows everything stuff. there is to know about everything, he's omniscient, yep. chooses to forget our yeah, sins. Yeah, I love that. All right, so wrapping up safe, we are significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, and we are empowered. 20 times, 20 times in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. This chapter is all about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Ron, you just read Romans 8 too. And I love the title, the splendid title of the Spirit of God in that verse. He is called the Spirit of Life. Takes us back to Genesis, doesn't it? Genesis 1, 2, and the Spirit is hovering over the waters as, as God speaks creation out of nothing. The power, the creativity of the Spirit of God represented in the Genesis account. And that same transformation power happens when you trust in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. 
The old has passed away. The new has come. That is the empowering beginning work the moment you trust in Jesus Christ. And I love what Paul says in verses 9 through 11. This will be uh, the end of one of our end of our sections here as we wrap up. Listen to these words that teaches us of the empowerment of the Spirit. Paul says, you, speaking to believers, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Another section we could spend all day in. But Ron, you talked about yourself growing up and, and I grew up. Uh, thinking that I did not get the fullness of the spirit when I trusted in Jesus. I had to have some other working uh, to elevate me in the eyes of God, whether it was speaking in tongues or some elevated experience. And Romans 8 here blows up that theology. Verse, verse 9 says, the moment you trust in Jesus, you have the full dwelling of the spirit of God in you. The moment I trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within me and he gives me everything I need to live for God. And I love that phrase, the spirit of him, Jesus, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I, I say, if that doesn't get you pumped up to run through a wall for Jesus, I don't know what can. Think, think about that. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now as a believer in Jesus Christ. That guarantees, as Ron talked about, the security, our resurrected body to come and all the power we need today to follow him. So real quick, how, how does the, the spirit of God empower us right now? One, he convicts us of our sin. If someone would say, how do I, how do I know if I've truly trusted in Jesus? I would say, do you, do you have the spirit's conviction when you are in sin? He motivates me to follow Jesus. He puts me in Christian community. We are separated physically, but the spirit unites us as we speak. He gives you unique spiritual gifts that only he has for you to use for his church. He enlightens our mind. Paul would say in these sections that only the spirit of God can enlighten someone's mind to understand the word of God. He empowers us to share the message of Jesus. He gives me a heart to give sacrificially. And most comforting of all, we're gonna end here he empowers our prayer life. Look at verses 26 and 27. If you find yourself in a moment right now where you don't know what to pray for or even how to pray, listen to these words. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If we are honest with one another, there are times when something has happened to us, a loss of a loved one, hurtful words. We're so devastated, we don't even know what words to utter to God. Ron, I think about Wednesday night prayer time. We've had multiple times where people have mentioned children who have died and I, you and I sit there and, and honestly, I don't know what to say, right? Yeah. I don't know the right words to say and that will never go away. The, those tragic moments where, where the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, think about it, he expresses the things we feel that we just can't articulate at the moment. That, that's who the spirit of God is. 
He's not a, I'm gonna put my arm around your shoulder. He rolls up his sleeves and he gets to work for you. He empowers your prayer life. And ending here, think about this empowering thing. We have two intercessors, scripture says, Jesus in heaven who intercedes for our sins and the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us and empowers us right now. That is all we need to follow hard after Jesus. But the question is, Ron, as we close up, are you in Christ? Right, are you in Christ? You know, we wanted this series, we've committed this series to be a how-to series. Right. So today we've talked about being in Christ and what that means to understand who you are right now. Uh, if you're separated from Christ, you're a sinner. Our sins separate us from God. And trusting in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God in Christ. And when you're in Christ, then you are significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, and empowered. Okay. But... Um, you got you to you develop in that area. You yeah. can't, you, so you know that, right? So you know safe with two S's. But you have to develop in that. Yeah. We have Living Grounded. We've had a 200 people sign up for Living Grounded since the beginning of this year. Awesome. In Living Grounded, there's a whole chapter on what it means to be spiritual identity. Okay. Significant in Christ. Secure, accepted, forgiven, and empowered. And we actually have a study on spiritual identity that we put together for small groups, uh, for the, our, our community groups. Right. And uh, you can go through this material, but you can't just sit there, right? You yeah. can't just say, oh, that's great, safe, I got it. Drill into this for yourself right. so, that you can, so that you can live that way and so right. you can teach it to your children and. as well if you're a parent. Right. And we encourage you to do that livinggrounded at biblechapel.org. Just email us and we'll get you in a group and we'll get you started because you can't just sit there. You got to understand who you are in Christ. So two ways to live, right? We can live from within. And when we live from within, then we're basically living, you know, based on what we're feeling that day, the circumstances of our life, the challenges of our life. It's like Peter standing out there in the water with Jesus, and he realizes that the storm's going on. He's living from within, you start to sink. So you can live from within as a believer. Or you can live from above. And when we live from above, we're always reaching out. We're always looking up. We're, we're, we're always saying, you know what? The circumstances are going on in my life. I get it. It's tough. But I know who I am, and I know whose I am. I know I have trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. And I know because of that, not because of who I am, but because of whose I am, I am significant. No one can take that away. Nothing can take that away. I am secure. I'm a child of God and will for always, will always be. I am accepted. God accepts me for who I am and then helps me become who he wants me to be. I'm forgiven. The past is gone. And I don't have to live in the regret of sin. I am forgiven. And as Dave just said, I'm empowered. The Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. I don't know if we'll ever comprehend all of that or ever live it out. But the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. I am empowered. So the choice is, is yours. You want to live from within yourself and continue to deal with all the stuff or you want to live from above, realizing that in Christ, I'm significant, I'm secure, I'm accepted, I am forgiven, and I'm empowered. I 
am, because of Jesus, a child of God. Father, be with us. Drill that down into our hearts and help us not just to sit there with that truth, but help us to, to dig into it and learn it and apply it to every area of our life. Help us, Lord, learn this game changer of our spiritual identity in Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.